Support for this podcast comes from Kinney Drugs, celebrating 120 years of providing medications, advice, and quality healthcare products and services. Kinney pharmacists administer all CDC-recommended vaccines to those age 18 and older, including flu, HPV, Tdap, MMR, chickenpox, and hepatitis A and B. They also administer vaccines indicated for older adults, including shingles for age 50+, plus, RSV for age 60+, plus, and pneumonia for age 65+. Plus. Employee-owned and locally committed since 1903. Learn more at kinneydrugs.com. If we could get in here and talk to each other and listen to each other, that's what we need to do. And Vermonters know it better than anyone else. That's why we have town meetings. And people get up there and by God, they say what they want to say. Isn't that good? It's one of the reasons it's really fun to live in Vermont. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. A beloved voice of Vermont fell silent with the passing of Kenley Dean Squire on November 15th. He was 88 years old. Ken is best known as a NASCAR Hall of Fame broadcaster and the owner of radio station WDEV, which has been owned by Ken's family for over nine decades. Ken was also my friend. A highlight of coming to the WDEV studio to broadcast the Vermont Conversation each week since 2013 was hanging out afterward in Ken's office and discussing the news of the day or the latest history book that he was reading. Ken would also regale me with stories of auto racing, though I never could keep straight the various racers who he would name drop. Ken had a trademark Vermont dry wit, and he was fiercely committed to ensuring that ordinary people had a seat at his table and on his airwaves. I already miss him. In January 2020, to celebrate Vermont Conversation's eighth year on WDEV, I had Ken Squire on as my guest. Here is a rebroadcast of that interview, which I nearly lost control of as Ken threatened to take over the interview right from the start. I thought we would turn to an American broadcasting legend and Vermont icon and someone well-known to the audience of WDEV, Ken Squire, the host of Music to Go to the Dump By. uh, I think we could have a better opening than that. I'm not finished with my intro, Ken. Oh, I'm sorry. This is is the moment where you sit there and listen. Okay. Well, let me get back to this. Okay, here we go. So the last three years have been especially momentous for Ken Squire. He sold Thunder Road, the track that he founded with Tom Curley more than a half century ago. In January 2018, he became the first journalist inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And he is in discussion uh, discussions to sell this station, WDEV, which was founded in 1931 and acquired soon after by his father, Lloyd. WDEV will celebrate its 90th birthday next year. So before we turn to Ken, because at any moment I know he's going to grab the mic and just take over anyway. Well, I always do. I thought I would just read from the NASCAR Hall of Fame Class of 2018 induction notes about who he is. And what they, how they described Ken Squire is this way. 
with a smooth voice and knack for weaving a simple note into an epic tale, Ken Squire carved a massive footprint during NASCAR's formative broadcast years. One of NASCAR's original broadcasters, Squire began his career with the Motor Racing Network in 1970. It was his golden voice that took NASCAR to a national audience, thirsting for live coverage, giving his insider's view of what he famously described as, quote, common men doing uncommon things. Deeds. They wrote things, not deeds. Deeds. They misquoted you. Yeah. Okay. That's only etched in granite in Charlotte, North Carolina Uh, now, but... Whatever. Whatever. Um, They go on and say that he is perhaps best known for calling the 1979 Daytona 500 a milestone moment for the entire sport as Squire's voice on CBS welcomed millions to the first live flag-to-flag coverage of the Great American Race, a moniker that he coined. Anyway, they go on, but uh, suffice it to say there is now an award uh, that NASCAR offers called the Squire Hall Award for NASCAR Media Excellence, named for none other than him and his colleague, Barney Hall. Barney Hall. Um, So, Ken, what have you been doing lately? We hear you on Dump Music, but what's, what's keeping you interested of late? Staying alive. Okay. And you've done that quite admirably. Well, I don't know about that. But um, it's a challenge. That's what makes it all interesting. Take take us back to the early 1930s when this radio station was founded. You know, as I uh, was reading that, 90th birthday coming up soon – what was – I mean, back at the time when this was founded, this was it, right? It was newspapers and radio. True. Yeah, true. And not too much radio. Uh, there was no WDEV. There was no stations in central Vermont. And uh, only because that the fellow that uh, published the Waterbury Record uh, was such a believer in communicating and, and – trying to make it meaningful that um, Lloyd got brought up right because he, he too got brought up in this radio station and in what was uh, prior to that, the Waterbury Record, which was the weekly newspaper. And your dad worked on both? Well, yeah, my dad my dad worked for uh, Harry Whitehill from the, and for Mrs. Whitehill. She was an invalid and... Um, so as a kid, his mother had worked for the White Hills, and they got stuck with the kid, and that was my dad. So for people who have never been to WDEV, there's one part of the station uh, that is the mezzanine where you walk into a studio that is like a throwback to the 1930s. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. There's a piano there. There is a whole setup for live radio dramas. That's correct. And And a cooking program. And there was a cooking program every morning, one hour. Mm -hmm. And they cooked right in the station, right in the studio there. That was at the Polly Jenkins, you know. There would be performances on the air, right? I'll say, yeah, and some of them were quite humorous, and 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 there was a but there was there was a point to them. 
there was they were always seeking, trying uh, to reach the, the audience that they believed listened to WDEV. And in those days, they were agricultural people, farm people, which is what Vermont was, needs to be again. Yep. And did you perform in any of those plays, radio dramas? Well, I came along a little later. You know, I was born in 35. Am I right about that? Yeah, 1935. And it was probably another eight or nine years before I got on the air. I probably was on before because I was up here all the time, and I'm certain that I added some things I probably should not have done. But um, it was a, it was a wonderful education. When did you know that you wanted to be a broadcaster? I don't know that I ever did. I mean, it was just one of the things you did. It was like being a farmer. You, um, you put down several crops and hope something came up. And uh, so I did this and that, and and fortunately for me, uh, because of my dad and the other people who seemed to be of the same consideration uh, that we all should try what we can do best or what we thought we could do best and see what developed. How'd you get into car racing, which I thought have always thought of as a southern sport, but I know you take great offense at that. Totally, yeah. Why? Well, it was all over America. It was it was part of what was changing in the United States. And baseball became the national pastime. I'm not quite sure why. Well, I do know it was radio that did that that made it the national pastime. Baseball made radio. Uh, radio made, made baseball. Pa- yeah, the national pastime because they that that put the imagination into it, and you had these various cities that had big baseball teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, and uh, and people caught into that. They they b- wanted that kind of thing for this country. So baseball became a, 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 a big priority as far as the entertainment part of radio was concerned in the old days. But for motor racing, how did you get exposed to that? Your dad wasn't into it, was he? Well, he, he liked racing and he liked uh, uh, horse racing and he liked uh, standard breads and WDEV from the outset decided they needed to go around and do horse racing. The old Green Mountain League uh, or the Green Mountain, uh, I don't say mean league, but the series of races that were run at the country fairs, be it Morrisville, be it, uh, well, name one. I don't know. Were there horse tracks all over the state? Oh, yeah. Well, every fairgrounds. And they were half miles, Tunbridge, of course, one of the great fairs still today. And let's see, where else? Well, there was tons of them, and I can't think of a single solitary one at this moment. Well, that's okay. But motor racing is what caught your eye. Well, if you were a kid and your mother took you by the arm and wrenched you around to those those uh, events in those days, you went to the horse races, uh, standard breads, yes. sulkies, 
guys with whips in their hand. They'd whip the horse on one side and whip the other uh, driver on the other side. It was quite a deal. You have to talk to uh, some of the folks around Waterbury that really understood the full story about what what it was and what it meant. Uh, because this this was agricultural kind of place, and and people liked to see what they could relate to. And in those days, early days, it was it was horse racing. Okay, so move me from horses to cars. How did you get? Make well, it that happened transition? in 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 nineteen three or four. They had the first big wreck uh, up in St. Johnsbury. Doctor owned a car, and he had a, a co-driver, and. Uh, I think he killed the co-driver, and it, might, it was the St. Johnsbury something or other, and and I wasn't around for that. That was long before I came along, but but the bigger fairs from the you know the first automobile race, um, and and uh, Henry Ford was one of the ones that would prioritize uh, motoring because they were trying to sell cars. Huh. So uh, he, he built a car and he took it out at uh, in Detroit at the fairgrounds there and won his first race. And they asked him when he was going to race again and he said once is enough. Henry Ford himself. Him Ford himself did it. Huh. Well, you're uh, listening to the Vermont Conversation. We are talking with Ken Squire. The... I'm making light of you, and I don't mean to, because I like you. But 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 that but that's the truth. Uh, the uh, cars came along, and what had been horsepower, which would be a a, a great horse, a Hanover horse, or uh, any of those that came off a lot of good. Vermont farms and raced at these country fairs uh, was replaced by horsepower mm. all under the hood. And uh, I thought that might make a good title for a book, Under the Hood, uh, with all the, you know, entendre of today's business. Uh, and it took off. It, 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 and it had to. Because people like to see things that were competitive. Mm -hmm. And uh, no question about it, these fellows that were building cars, be it, be it uh, Ransom Olds or Henry Ford or name them. And there was a fellow up in uh, uh, Barton that uh, uh, I think it was Leland, Henry Leland, that uh, started some cars he, and, and he was fairly successful. Uh, started the Lincoln. And before that, he uh, I'm trying to think of the other. It wasn't it, – I'm getting old. Well, let me just uh, also turn to our listeners. If you have any questions for Ken Squire, you can call us at 244-1777. And I should note, Ken, that this business of calling into the radio is something you're passionate about. And basically every show on WDEV involves – the audience. Why do you care so much about that? That's a very good question, because that really was what what radio was to be, and instead it got all into music, 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 because it was inexpensive to do, 
and you could play a few records and then um, incorporate advertising into it and didn't cost a lot. Well, it cost a fair amount to get it on the radio, get it set up, go through all the hoops and so forth that were necessary to have a radio station. And that's what Harry Whitehill did. He was quite a guy. He, he, he had a, a great promoter's uh, sound, a great promoter's uh, technique to him. Uh, the great Vermont train, that was uh, Harry Whitehill. Mm. And that train, uh, for several years, went all over the eastern United States, as far out as Indianapolis and places like that. And it was full of what made Vermont famous, be it maple syrup, be it whatever you certainly uh, the statuary and, and so forth that came from Hardwick and Barry. Did this train ride, it was quite famous. In fact, there was a DEV. Somebody, as I recall, delivered a large piece of art uh, that had all memorabilia from this cross-country Vermont train. Yeah, yeah. And that was because uh, Harry understood uh, uh, right off the bat that uh, what was necessary was some way to promote Vermont. And Vermont had so many things to talk about with the basis of, of this beautiful state. And then there were all these other things that we did here. A lot of folks didn't pay attention to. The country fairs did because we all got together there and lied about how good we were. And we'd win a ribbon or something. So this this idea of call-in radio involving the community in the stations. And I know when I first came on here, you were very uh, uh, uncompromising about, you know, every show has to be call-in. Why does that matter so much to you? Because they need to ask questions and they need to have answers. And so the darn thing got started and uh, we, we never stopped that. And probably made a horrible mistake because all the ones that really made money uh, played a lot of records. The music shows is where the money is well, in radio. It was then and, and today still is as you follow that pattern. But um, Harry Whitehill believed that we, we had a responsibility. He said more people, more people can hear than can read. And he thought that Waterbury ought to have a radio station. And in doing that, from the very beginning, the sense was to get the message out. So we were greatly involved in Montpelier and the State House and those early governors, senators, and so forth. And uh, people could call in, ask some questions, and hope to hell they could get some good answers. We're still trying to figure that out. Now, what people hear when they tune into WDEV yeah. and the loyal audience of this station is not heard in most of the radio dial. Uh, that is, you know, local news, talk radio, but not nationally syndicated talk radio, kind of homegrown talk radio. Tragic, tragic isn't it? So how have you managed to 
maintain this, what is really, you know, almost one of a kind at this point? Well, because we didn't know enough to do anything else. That's pretty much what we've been, what it was then. And uh, that was certainly uh, Harry Whitehill, who's over here in the Hope Cemetery. And he, he, uh, he believed in communicating, and he had a darn good weekly paper. And the weekly papers then and now are still the essential backbone to educating Vermont or attempting to. And the people that were educated listened to it and complained and bitched about it, needed to do just exactly that. We haven't changed much. What's your opinion of where radio is at these days, generally? I think it's in a pretty good place. And I think that what we at DEV are doing and the incredible people that we keep finding, they keep showing up. And and they have an expertise in one area or another. And it could be music. There's nothing wrong with music. That's for darn sure. But at the same time, what we're trying to accomplish is to intrigue and interest as many people as possible in listening to each other. That's what radio needs to be. Doesn't happen that way anymore because all the fancy souls figured out how to sell the time, blah, blah, blah. But the basis of this was to serve the public good, need, and necessity. That's what you got your license for. That got screwed around right off early and never stopped. And there's continual opportunities here to get away from that. So there's all the Federal Communications Commission is always up against the wall one way or another about what is on radio. The one thing you don't want is everything is the same. And I think we probably took it way over the line and, and said, okay, we're going to do just exactly that. And that was Harry Whitehill. That was my dad. And that was Rusty Parker, and it was all the others that followed because they truly believed that this was a medium, a way of communicating with the public. It was another voice like town meeting where everybody had an opportunity to get in there and say what the hell they believed. That was okay. And it was in that combination of things and philosophies and political parties and all of that, that radio should thrive. Well, that didn't work out that way. And it became the hot 100 or the whatever this or whatever that. And so DEV over the years incorporated music and darn good music and some that wasn't so good. I happen to have a program on Saturday morning that isn't so good, but it's still part of the American culture. Music to go to the dump. Bud. You're darn right. One town, one dump. I have often heard you talk, sort of implore your uh, people who are on the air here. In other places, they're called the talent, but I, I'm not sure if any of us have any of that here. We're just on. Oh, the I air. disagree. I think we're the most blessed radio station around. Small market. 
know, little stations, little places, but where you can talk to the folks and they know who you are and they may have some questions about you, but they're the people that read the books and read the newspapers and they have some thoughts and opinions on what goes on. And why shouldn't they favor the rest of us with with their information and, and their knowledge? And that's what radio needs to be. So where I was going with that, you have often talked uh, about the importance of WDEV being relevant. And that is the most important thing that anybody on your air has to do. What does that mean? Singularly, the most important thing is to be relevant. And so the interests of the people are what we try to talk about. Now, these days, that's that's changed a little, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there was a time when there were certain subjects that we would never discuss on the radio. Well, that those things aren't the same as they were then. Like what? Oh, conversations about sex, conversations about uh, people. We were pretty more, we seemed to be far more aware of what the early fathers of our Constitution believed in. And, and we, we, we took a stroke out of that, and we tried to stay regularly, continually close to that. That's changed. Now, one station will be all liberal, and then five stations will be all conservative. Well, why the hell aren't they both on the same station? So that people have an opportunity to listen and decide uh, for themselves. That's what town meeting was about, for pity's sake. And that gets lost, and it's important to keep. We still keep it, and we still do a town meeting night, and, uh, and it's a darn good show. And we've always been fortunate that we had people here, like my dad, who for sure understood that, learned it well from Harry Whitehill, and, uh, and, and continued it and Rusty Parker, and so many others, because they believe that radio is communicating to a public and that the public has the right to speak up. And sometimes their language might be a little coarse, but that's the course that some language, <coughs> excuse me, takes. And uh, we have to accept that because they're Vermonters. This is a rebroadcast of a Vermont conversation with the late Ken Squire, recorded in January 2020. This was a live interview in the WDEV studio in Waterbury. I reintroduced Ken after a commercial break. We're spending the hour this week kicking off 2020 and the eighth year of the Vermont Conversation by talking with Ken Squire, the legendary American broadcaster, motorsports, NASCAR Hall of Fame, and best known and perhaps his greatest accolade, the host of music to go to the dump by. Now, there you have it. So which of these awards and things and you know, the floor joists of WDEV are sagging under the weight of your awards and hardware. I'm fully I, I expecting. I think you're overdoing it now. So which of these things means the most to you? Well, music to go to the dump by means quite a lot. Why? 
Well, because a lot of people uh, are sick and tired of having these people all talking about how much they know and they don't know a darn thing. And all of us that are on music to go to the dump by are freely willing to admit that we don't know what the hell we're talking about, but we're having a very good time and we're not getting in anybody's way. Now, once in a while, that gets us into difficulty, but so be it. It's just another part of living in Vermont. How long have you and Jack Donovan been hurling insults at each other? Too long, too long. And he's so misunderstanding. He just doesn't understand, you know, how the program is supposed to. I'm, I'm the host, and he continues to treat me like the custodian. And, uh, he's a terrible human being. You know I that Jack him. retired from WDEV. One thing I notice around this place is as soon as you announce your retirement from WDEV, you're there you're, for the next 30 years. You're on the air more than you ever a- were a- when you were absolutely. paid. Absolutely. And that's Jack's problem. You know, God, we've tried to put him out to pasture over and over again. And, uh, well, perhaps this is the pasture. Well, I guess so. The control room of WDEV. You know the old story uh, uh, about the farmer was having trouble uh, because no longer were the cows giving milk. And a neighbor suggested that um, perhaps they could get some pills and give them to the bull. And it might improve how the herd is producing, right? Okay. So a year later, he was driving by the other fellow's farm, and good Lord, there were sheep everywhere. No, no, the sheep are another subject completely. I beg your pardon. That's my incumbent wife. The the, the, the calves, right? And uh, the fellow says, my God, Olin, how, how have you done that? You've turned the whole thing around. He says, well, I don't know, but I went down to see the veterinarian and— uh, he gave me these pills, and I've been giving them to the bulls, and, and uh, my goodness sakes, has made such a change in our farm. And he says, well, what are these? He said, I don't know, but they taste like peppermint. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, you see, that's, that's the point. If you pay attention and listen, uh, you'll learn things on the radio that you won't hear anywhere else. That's true. Yes. I'm not quite sure I followed that story, but— it was funny nonetheless. Well, I hope so. So what is your take on – I mean the world is in a state. and your 84 years, you've seen a few Five. things. Five? Yeah. 85 years? Yeah, yeah. Did I make you younger? No, it's time for me to you know, cash in, fall off my perch. But I'm hanging in here just to be a, a problem. And, and I think that sometimes you need to have problems around. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, just to make things work a little better. That's my job. What's your take on the state of the media today? And I know you're a big media consumer. You're an avid newspaper media reader, and um, you watch a fair bit of television news. Well, I'm on television a lot, you know. Well, I do know that. Not as much as I used to be. And uh, thank God for that. Because I, I had this awful, awful issue about how to live my life better, stay home. I'm trying that. It's not working very well, but Elizabeth keeps trying with me. And someday I hope to get that right. Mm-hmm. 
What has it been like for you, the transitions uh, for you in your life that you're on the air less, but uh, still periodically? It's um, at age 85, you've had your health challenges. What does this all make you think? It makes me think that the FCC ought to get off their duff and get into making rules and regulations that allow for more people to be involved. And I mean in the kind of thing that WDEV does. We don't need scads and scads of uh, the top 100, the top 50, the top 30, the top this and the top that. We just need to talk to one another and pay attention to what the other says. Hence, WDEV tries in every way we can to give as many different opinions. And everybody says, oh, God, you can't do that. You, can't, you, you don't get an, uh, uh, an audience. You don't you get people that care. Horse pucky. Uh, they do care. And I think that we're a pretty good representative of that over and over again. You couldn't find better educated people than farmers. I don't care where you go because they're in there, both hands, working on it, having produce that they sell and trying to make it work better. And radio served them 100% because, you see, you could milk and you could listen to the radio at the same time. And DEV created a whole world about that. People listened while they milked in the morning. And at 4.30 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they cared. And they'd sit there and uh, get both hands going and listen to what was said. And then they'd bitch about it and complain about it, but they'd talk about it. Not much talking going on among people these days. only thing they talk about are the stupid jokes late at night. So you're sort of swimming against the tide here in DEV, and we know, and I know that you know some of the the big money in talk radio is in conservative talk radio. Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and why do you think that is? Well, there's a whole part of the nature of this country that is based on that, but there's just as many on the other side, and we never stop to take a look at that, or nor listen to them. That's the nice thing about Vermont. It's the nicest thing about our legislature because they're all stripes in there. And boy, do they get after each other. More power to them. But then the next thing is to get them on the radio to tell us what the hell they're talking about. They need to be communicating. And we're here for that purpose. Uh, Bill, uh, help me. 11 to 12 in the morning. Bill Sayer. Conservative show. Damn good one. And uh, tries in every way he can. And uh, his lady friend, oh, gosh, what a problem she can be. But she has very good ideas. And we ought to be listening to some of that. No, no, no. We, we put everything in a slot. And uh, th that's the one we listen to. And why has it become so balkanized, you know, where you have Fox News appealing to its audience, which does not waver? It does not turn the channel. And you have, you know, the same is true, whether it's MSNBC, CNN or the networks. Well, there you have it. 
they, they figured it out too, that they could be all conservative or they could be all liberal or they could be all Bernie or they could be whatever, right? But they don't listen to each other. They don't understand how important it is that the other guy's ideas need to be at least defined and understood a bit because there may be something in there that you can take along the way. And we keep trying to do that and failing, but we try. That's why you're here. You know, you're somewhat of a liberal. I guess that's a fair word. There's some others that use other opinions about you. And then uh, there's uh, 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 and then there's your sister, who many people consider evil. Democracy Now. Democracy Now. Why does, other, and I, why does w, you picked up that show years ago yep. when Vermont Public Radio yep. refused to put it on despite uh, a bunch of people, thousands of people signing petitions for it? Well, I don't know if it was a thousand or a hundred. But the point was that they they turned their back on it with their nose up in the air because they knew so much about something and I could never figure that out. Uh, they've changed their stripes a little too, haven't they? And uh, – yeah, I think your sister's a fair example. Wish we had more sponsors for things like that because, you know, we we don't live on the dole. We don't live off a, a public funding. We have to go out and earn it the old-fashioned way. And uh, that, that makes it tricky. On the other hand, it makes you pay attention. And we've got people around here, and we've got new people. In the last month, this station has turned a considerable degree and I think all to the good and all to the future and I think this radio station will last for a long time if you don't have to sell it because whenever somebody gets to well we've got the right formula and we'll play three of this and two of that then we'll play the third and then we'll come back and play an old-time favorite horse pucky i mean if we could get in here and talk to each other and listen to each listen to each other listen to each other that's what we need to do and vermonters know it better than anyone else that's why we have town meetings and people get up there and by god they say what they want to say isn't that good it's one of the reasons it's really fun to live in vermont do you realize we have a stock car driver? <coughs> That's enough to make you cough. Who's the governor of the state of Vermont? I asked him one time, I said, when did your mother first bring you to Thunder Road? And he said, according to my mother, she was about four months along. Now, that's the kind of people we need more of because he's a pretty fair governor. And we've had some others that have been great really great and some of them oh don't be don't be don't, don't overdo it now but some of them can be democrats what well yes indeed that's okay and bernie where in god's name did bernie come from? he came out of up in the islands up in the kingdom you know you, you had bernie bernie used to have a show on WD. yeah he was here before anybody was what was his show socialist <laughs> was it the brunch with Bernie thing, or it, it was? It was. It was exactly, and I came more to that because of my incumbent wife, 
who's from Australia. And she thinks we're silly. She said, you know, things work pretty well. We were talking about that the other night. And she said, and, and it was about how much it costs to have a trip to the hospital to have a baby. She said, you know that when I had my first child in, in uh, uh, Australia, was in the hospital in Sydney, and she said, uh, with the, the plans that they had, I got hit for $37. She was there for four damn days. Can you imagine that? But she came along pretty good, and my children, well, they're not the best in the world, that's for sure. You've seen my daughter. She came home to take care of, uh, take care of her frailing father, right? And you know what happened. She was here three months living in the house, and next thing I know, she'd moved into the stock car driver. Okay, we're not going to air the family well, but you see, that's laundry the point. on that's, the air That's here. the point. And you've got to you you got to be listening to what the other fellow says, and in this case, in in Vermont agriculture, you don't put down just one crop. That'll put you right over the side of the barrel in no time at all, and and that's what this station was to be, and to be for the future. You gave Bernie Sanders one of his earliest platforms in the media. I think we did. What do you think it is about him, having seen his career over such a long time? Well, there he is now. That has made him so compelling on the national stage. Because he left us, and he went out there to Portland, Oregon, and he got with another crowd— and, of course, it's that far side of the country. You're talking you know about the those Tom Hartman are. show. Yeah. And, and good Lord, one of them's the same as all the others, except more and more people listened. How was Bernie as a radio broadcaster? Awful. Why? Well, because he did the same mantra. You know, if you listen one day and you listen five days later, you got the same program. Because that's what he was into. That's what he was on. And guess what? At this point in this history of the United States, people, excuse me, lunch was delicious. Uh, 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 he, as much as anybody, says what he believes. He may not last too long saying that, but at least he is saying it. And people are paying attention. And more and more people are thinking, well, he may not be 100% right, but he came up and he lived in the kingdom. He got to know some people that really know how to grow and make things prosper. And uh, it's not, not all his ideas are bad. And, of course, they painted him over with communism, horse pucky. And uh, it just that, that wasn't it at all. He had some real ideas. Why, why did you first give him a, a, a radio platform? Well, because that was one of the ones that wasn't being paid attention to. And everybody laughed and giggled and so forth. They're not laughing now. Uh, I mean, he's changing the way America is thinking. And America needs to change to some of their thinking. And maybe we ought to throw him out. So be it. But at least we're listening. And we're hearing messages that we weren't, just didn't sink in in the past. That's okay. 
Now, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm not a fascist, and I don't want any of that stuff. But, but there has to be room in this country to carry on a conversation that does have other ideas and other, other opinions. It doesn't happen too much. It needs to. Now, as I recall, you gave Bernie. You didn't think he was very made very good radio. You insisted that he take calls, which he didn't originally. Oh, he right? wouldn't take calls, no, because he said it would take him off his message. Geez, we knew his message by heart. We had it memorized. If you listened for two days in a row, you had it right. So you prevailed on him to take calls. Well, we tried, and come to find out, he rather enjoyed it, and. Uh, I, I'm very pleased that we had something to do with Bernie. Don't know if I'd vote for him today. But in those days, I thought a lot about it because he had other ideas and he thought we could do things better than what we're doing. Now, there's nothing wrong to hearing ideas and you can turn them off. You can just snap the switch and go to another station and listen to the top 40 as we play them here today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. No, there's got to be places on the radio where you can tune in on one station where there are ideas and philosophies that aren't all the same. And that's all this thing is. It's up here on the second floor, tucked beautifully away in the paradise that is WDEV. You gave him advice about how to be better on the radio and in the media. I don't think I want to get into that. It was, well, it was not a pretty sight. You, you got to tell us now that he's a rock star. What did you tell him? I didn't tell him to be a rock star. That's for damn sure. But, but just that he needed to expand and he needed to listen to people call in. And he was so, at one point, absolutely frightened that they would take him off his message. The hell they could take him off his message. He knew what his message was. Did they all? No. But that was all right. Because then we had you and we had uh, Bill in the morning. Bill Sayre. Bill Sayre, who's great. Yes. And and there was always a bunch of different opinions here. We need a lot more of that. What is your advice to a young person who listens to you or listens to DEV and maybe thinks they want to go into journalism today? Oh, God, I wish they come along soon. I think that the most important thing are new young people that have new ideas and not us old soaks. Uh, that we folks, I beg your pardon, uh, uh, that uh, we're pretty set in our ways. We've had a long time to get set. Now we got to get settled somewhere else and listen to some new people. And that's what WDEV was always about. There's always a, there's always some woman bitching and moaning about how we're doing this and that. Good. What's wrong with that? We might get something out of it that is worthwhile. And Vermont was always worthwhile. And it goes back to that darn uh, Ethan Allen. What a cantankerous old person he was. That's the attitude that Vermont had. And it continues. Well, it gets eaten away. It gets eroded. Because all people like you that move up here from Connecticut or... or uh, New York. New York. I, 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 I can't ever remember that other place. Yeah. 
And then they settle into Vermont, and they find out that there's some things here that do work. And if we listen to them a little more, we might make them work better. What's wrong with that? What are you proudest of in your long and distinguished career? Thunder Road. I love Thunder Road. You see all those kids out there, and no longer kids. I mean, I'm getting up there to where I can say that. And they go out there with every bit of dignity in what they do, and they build beautiful cars, and they race the hell out of them. What's wrong with that? Not a thing. And others around here dedicate themselves to running races on their feet. And what's wrong with that? Not one single solitary thing. That's what Vermont was always for and always will be. And on the business of what's on top of your neck, your head, your brains, you can take a moment or two and try to see what that is that others are talking to us about. God, we need that. This whole country is so stuck now. And and we certainly see it in this past week. Stayed up till midnight last night watching the TV, the telly. And uh, I was so upset by the time I went to sleep, it took a while to get there. I I share that feeling. Now, you have the long view, 85 years of long view. Yeah, right. What gives you hope? What gives me hope? Yeah. Well, there's birds like you that show up, and all of a sudden— you seem to have an idea or two about what we woodchucks are all about. There's not a thing wrong with that. That's to the good. We just need so much more of it in this world. And we don't get there, and instead we, we take a swerve. That's a great book, incidentally, The Swerve. And we get out here, and, and, and I, I don't know where this guy, Trump, comes from. I do know where he comes from. He's a con, and I don't like him. But that's what we get. We got to pay more attention or we'll get some more swerves, bad ones. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, my. I hadn't really had too much time to think about it. I love WDEV. I love everything about this radio. You know what? We didn't put it. We had an elevator. The damn thing broke. And we discovered something that all of us are a little better off because we have to walk up and down stairs. What the hell's wrong with that? <laughs> okay. Is that, what about your legacy? What's my legacy? Yeah, that what would you be Walking satisfied? up and down stairs is a, a priority now for me because my legs don't work too well. They have the right not to, you know, sitting around watching all those cars running around. There they go. Here they come. What a wreck. I mean, that was my life for a long time. And I love those guys. The Richard Petties of the world and the Pearsons, the late Junior Johnsons, people that really believed in what America was. That was them. And this is now. We need a lot more of them. Well, on that note, Ken Square, I want to thank you not just for joining me on the Vermont Conversation, but for all that you've given to our community. Thank you, sir. That was a Vermont Conversation interview with the late, great Ken Squire, recorded in January 2020. 
That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.